Over the past three seasons, we've covered two of the dumbest wars in history. I mean, all wars dumb. But these ones deserve some accolades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first was the Battle of Zappolino, which the streets know was the War of the Bucket, huh? huh? And the second was the Great Emu War, where we re-established the fact that Australian animals are no play-play. Now you're probably wondering, why the recap? Ooh, recap, yeah, let's do that. They've got man-eating sharks, shark-eating sharks, shark-eating men, and probably man-eating men too. <laughs> they got bees, snakes, jellyfish, sharks, snakes, scorpions, toadfish, spiders, ticks, ants, centipedes, cracks, and the people needed help. One man arrived to save the day. Well, one man and three other men. But the one man's name is Sir George Pierce. Australia was gonna show those flightless birds who was boss. The farmers had to pay for it themselves, though. The tapestry of mankind is dotted beautifully with defining phases of peace and moments that sprawled into conflicts of unimaginable scales. So not only did they lose their bucket, they also lost their water. It's like getting beaten up and calling your older brother to fight. And then both of you get beaten up. And you both chase back home and stop it all off by eating your chicken in your compound. Hiya, I'm Bio, and in case you're wondering, you are now listening to the Water Joke Podcast. A friendly disclaimer before you proceed, continued listening may result in one or more of the following. Involuntary and unrestrained laughter. <laughs> Learning new things. Uh-huh. Enjoyment, being offended, and falling in love. <laughs> and most importantly, always remember, please... Don't take everything you hear on here too seriously. The pig. An animal genus quaintly given the name Sus. Yes, that's about Sus. S-U-S. Like, domestic pigs are called Sus domesticus. From that alone, you know you can't trust them. Because they're a little sus, huh? huh? The kings of grunts and the duchesses of snorts. Pigs are quite possibly the second most popular omnivores in the world. Besides you, listening to this podcast as you roll up your sleeves, dipping your roll of fufu into your eforiro, shoving your tightest fish or piece of meat to one side of the dish. Your heavily burdened plates as you complete the sweeping movement that brings the fufu and therefore together up to your mouth. They exist to most of us as the metaphorical representation of dirt and grime, given that they quite literally roll in the mud <sighs> of their own volition. Nobody forced them. Now, when you hear the term pig war, do you imagine it as a group of pigs throwing it down in the wild, fighting for the only remaining mud pool? Or a sentient group of pigs who take up arms and fight against oppressive farmers? I feel like I've read that one before. Is it a war fought in the lower rungs of humanity where the thieves and backstabbers thieve and backstab? You know, while a soundtrack by Ramin Jawadi plays in the background. 
Or was it a tale of love, death, poorly drawn maps and a murder that nearly spawned... I won't say what nearly spawned. Or is it going to be E? All of the above. Take your pick. I've been playing these games long enough, old man. Is D. Uh-uh. Just kidding, just kidding. You're correct. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great Pig War. Back in the late 1700s to early 1800s, the USA fought the British Empire for independence. Honestly, not sure who got a better deal between them and us, us being Nigerians. To be fair, they did fight quite hard. Their struggle is marked with all the ideals of the campaign waged against the oppressors by the oppressed. Some impassioned talks of freedom and a new world here, like native tribe genocide there, it's all good though, cause you know, manifest destiny. Bio? Yeah. What does manifest destiny mean? <laughs> oh my boy. <sighs> manifest destiny, for those who do not know, was a mantra that the founding fathers of the USA and the settlers believed in. You remember the settlers? The ones from the Black Cyber Thanksgiving episode that you know one of them had a vlog. Yeah, those guys. It's the idea that the United States is destined by God to expand its dominion and spread democracy and capitalism across the entire North American continent. Wow, so original. I think what makes the Americans even more interesting though is the hypocrisy. It's like you're fighting for your freedom from your rulers or colonizers or whatever while simultaneously silencing the cries of millions of their own slaves or slaughtered natives. Like, we deserve to make our own rights. Please, let us go, master. Shut up! Now, the British didn't give up the land they conquered without a fight. I mean, what would Christopher Columbus say? What would Winston Churchill say? Wait, was he, was he even born yet? Quick, Google search, excuse me. Okay, no. But if he was, he'd say, At any rate, that is what we're going to try to do. Now, the British weren't ready to leave. And the Americans weren't satisfied with just removing the use from the words humor, rumor, and tumor. They wanted their own land to occupy. You know, after being independent for 70 whole years, it'd still be kind of weird if your parents lived with you. Now, there's enough room on the entire continent of North America to take both of them. And after signing the Oregon Treaty, which divided the country of Oregon between the US and the British, you would think that things would start to clear up. But there was an issue. Well, several issues. One being that they didn't have Google. So their maps were super inaccurate. Where the f- I am. They basically divided territories with a straight line on a map that ran through a channel to the Pacific Ocean. There was a group of tiny islands in that channel called the San Juan Islands, meaning that the line had to go around the island. Problem was, it could either pass through the Harrow Strait and favor the US, or the Rosario Strait and go to the English. So, which did they choose? Find out all this and more on the next What A Joke episode.
I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm, I'm kidding. Don't take everything so seriously, my G. Don't vex. But we will be going on a commercial break. Are you tired of boring ads? Do you want to sell your business in a fun and cool way? Well, you missed your chance to put it on this episode. But maybe someday you can have an ad on a What A Joke episode. And that was, you know, a word from our sponsor. Now, rather than squabble over a tiny speck on the map, they decided to share the island and live in peace and harmony. The end. That's cap. Huh? You didn't even mention the pigs. I'm leaving, you know. Wait first now. I wasn't finished. <sighs> you see, the English were still in possession of the colony of Vancouver Islands, which was a much larger island on their side of the line. Mid-1859, the governor of the island, James Douglas, had gotten the British Hudson Bay Company to move onto the island and start a sheep farm on the disputed lands. His very bright idea was rooted in the ironclad, ingenious and timeless practice of first come, first to colonize. That's how they used to do it in the old days. But the Americans, already used to the idea of do my own back strong, had settlers move onto the island from the nearby Washington state under the Donation Land Claim Act, which, if you don't know, allowed squatters living on federal government-owned land to buy up to 160 acres super cheap. How cheap? Like $1.25 an acre. Wow! I don't know how large an acre is. Neither do I. Would you go back in time to be able to buy land that cheap? Luby? Mm-hmm. I'm black. One of these settlers was a farmer named Lyman Cutler, who moved in and set up a potato farm. Now, a member of the Hudson Bay Company, Charles Griffin, who was employed to run the sheep farm, was also rearing a couple of... pigs. Finally! Sus Scrofa, aka Berkshire Pigs. Known for their rooting, that is, the native crops. They are plant stealers. Now, Charles Griffin lets them run free on the island, and Mr. Lyman repeatedly complains about the pigs getting into his potato farm. Partly his fault because he's fenced three sides and joyfully left one side open. How, how smart. But he had gotten no response from the English. In his opinion, the English shouldn't even be there, as the Americans were the rightful thief owners of this stolen territory. On June the 15th, 1859, Lyman found a pig rooting in his potato patch, eating his tubers, and he lost it. Kind of like Nigerian huntsmen, so I can totally understand what Lyman did next. He pulled out his gun, took aim, and sent Porkina to Porky Heaven. After a while, he gained post pop clarity and went to deliver the news to Griffin. He felt so bad that he offered him a whopping $10 to apologize and compensate for the fresh pork suya meat. That's like eight acres, which is how big? I don't know. It went something like this. 
Hey, man, I'm really sorry. Sorry about what, you Yankee? She was in my farm and, and it all happened so fast. What did? Here, have some fresh pork suya meat. Porkina? Is that you? <laughs> no! I, f I feel really bad about it. So, here's $10. You, you monster. She was like a daughter to me. I, 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 I said I was sorry, man. I loved her. Okay. Weird. So you... You don't want the ten dollars. Ten dollars? Ten dollars? She is irreplaceable. And no amount of money is going to fix this. A hundred dollars. Eh? A hundred dollars? Did you say hundred? Hundred K. Now me mess up. People of San Juan, oh, come and see. It's because I feel bad. I for no come this side. What happened to your accent? It heard your nonsense and got itself deported. Your pig was trespassing and it collected. Honda, end of discussion. Me, I'll do it again. True story. That's exactly how the conversation went down. At that point, British authorities attempted to arrest Cutlab. And the American settlers called in for military protection. William Harney, the U.S. officer in charge of the Department of Oregon, answered that call, sending Captain Pickett, a small group of 66 soldiers, to the island. They were meant to keep the British troops from landing. The British countered by sending three ships under the command of Captain Geoffrey Hornby, as they were also scared of the power of first to show. Captain Pickett, by all accounts, was a dimwit. And he showed that by settling the soldiers very close to the Hudson Sheep site, without accounting for being directly under the guns of one of the British ships, the HMS Satellite. When this was pointed out, he moved his camp further away from that exposed position to, well, another exposed position. It wasn't really a surprise because, like I said, by all accounts, Pickett was a demon. But he also pointed to the capabilities of Honey, who sent this man as his best choice to lead a defense of the red, white, and blue. The American red, white, and blue. I realized there might be a bit of confusion with the two flags. The situation continued to escalate, and by August, 461 Americans were in a standoff against five British warships carrying 70 guns. 2,146 soldiers. Yikes, this was a powder keg ready to explode. All because of a pig. You see what that little sauce did? All of this. At this point, word had reached Washington and London, and panic ensued. Should he fire, sir? Do you think they'll fire? Where's the fire? Nobody fire. I'll do you one better. Who is the fire? I'll do you one better. Why is the fire? In September, US President at the time, 
James Buchanan sent General Winfield Scott to negotiate. As a result of these negotiations, both sides agreed to keep a joint military occupation, with no more than 100 men each on the island until the issue of ownership could be resolved. See, clear heads, clear heads. To be fair, this situation ended up going on for 12 years, and the troops stationed on San Juan actually got on fine. Men really don't have problems when left unsupervised. They visited each other's camps, celebrating each other's holidays, and having clean white supremacist bro fun. After the American Civil War, both parties agreed to solve the dispute over the islands by international arbitration, calling upon the Emperor of Germany, Wilhelm I, to preside over the situation. He reverted authority to a three-man committee, which he chaired, which met in Geneva for over a year. Then, on October 21st, 1872, the committee voted in favor of, drumroll please, the Americans and their Harrow Straits boundary, which effectively made the San Juan Islands theirs, as per new colonizers of the stolen land. On November 25th, 1872, the British pulled their Royal Marines from the camp on the island, and the Americans followed by July 1874. The war in itself, also called the pig episode, the pig and potato war, was largely bloodless. The only victim being a very sus pig. Because like, there was stuff everywhere else to eat, but you chose the one place you must never go. To your head like Simba. The pig was definitely the villain in this story. I'm only sad because Charles Griffin never got compensation. Next time you see a pig or pork meat, I challenge you to look it straight in the eye or, you know, in the meat and say the word sus. I see you. A little sus. The next thing that happens is something you will never see coming. Thank you for listening to the end. If you liked it or not, Please share with your friends, family, enemies, and total strangers in any way you can. Help share the humor. It would also mean a lot if you could subscribe to this show on the official Jammer platform. And I'd love to respond to your comments on the official Jammer Twitter page at Jammer FM. Under the post for this episode. Tune in next Monday for another episode because really, you can't make this stuff up. Jammer.